Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Monday, it is Maester Class. If you're a late arriver to my classroom, Maester Class is a short form podcast where either I wax on for five minutes about something that I care about or a legitimate expert answers a single listener question. These questions can be Martin adjacent or they can be a question about the medieval world, but a lot of these topics will relate to the chapter in question or the chapter we just covered for Electric Boogaloo. If you would like your question featured on Masterclass, email me at book at baldmove.com. This week, Philip Haberkern of Boston University answers a listener question. Here's Phil. This is irregular. Uh, yes, well... I suppose that life is irregular. All right, Phil, I've got a couple questions from listeners. I will say that I very well could have emailed these to you ahead of time, but there's just a little excitement that you've never heard these before. You're just going to answer these on the fly. Okay, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> okay, this is, first one's from Guillermo. Uh, Guillermo writes, uh, Dear Anthony... In A Clash of Kings, we see several competing religions, and their devotees do clash at times. But in my view, it's mostly a world of religious pluralism. In other words, most people in Westeros are happy, or sorry, quite happy for the old gods and the new to coexist. Does this live and let live default have a parallel in medieval Europe? Because my impression is that differing gods and even differing worship of the same god uh, warrant warfare. Mm -hmm. Am I missing something? Am I misunderstanding medieval history? Or is Germ's world fundamentally different in this way from medieval Europe? It's a really good question. I and thought I it would... was a great question. It's and a I, great question. I Anyway, just to praise Guillermo right off the bat... Um, <laughs> Uh, wonderful question, Guillermo. So I think um, in terms of sort of medieval parallels, one that comes to mind would be the Iberian Peninsula under Islamic rule. Sure. So from the sort of 8th century on, where you have this convivencia, where you have a sort of legally privileged main religion, but the toleration of Jewish and Christian minorities under it. 
but there the power relations between the three Abrahamic faiths are are so clearly ordered that that it doesn't feel atmospherically quite the same way mm. um, that I, I think we see in Westeros to some extent, but even more in Essos. Um, so anytime we sort of take a tour across the narrow sea, that's where I think you do see a sense of kind of true pluralism um, as far as we sort of get windows into that world. Now, wait, can I ask you to clarify the Iberian Peninsula thing? Are you saying sure. that Jews, Muslims, and Christians did indeed coexist, but they didn't intermingle or? they? So this is a really interesting, like I would say that's sort of at the center of historical scholarship on this, because for a long time, there was this very, very sort of rosy image of this cohabitation mm. um, and this idea of free intermingling. And you do have Christians and Jews, for instance, rising very high in court circles. They occupy privileged positions. There is an intellectual intermingling. You know, this is actually classical Greek Aristotle, for instance, enters Christian Europe via Islamic channels through the Iberian Peninsula. So there is a lot of exchange that's going on. I'd say in the last couple of decades, though, there has been more of a sense that it's actually really important in the sort of more day-to-day -day living, that stricter boundaries are, are erected between these different communities. Mm -hmm. And it's when those boundaries are threatened or are perceived to be weakening that violence often ensued. Um, so there's this idea that, yes, they managed to live side by side successfully. Mm -hmm. They had business dealings. You're not going to see as many personal relationships. They would have had friendships. Um, and again, politically and economically, the religious minorities could be fairly privileged. But, you know, I think there is still a sense of, you know, th this is the true and proper faith of the kingdom. Mm. And these other two are allowed to exist as limited minorities, if not consistently or persistently right. persecuted for that. But even then, right? I mean, if you think about comparing that, that vision to like Winterfell, Winterfell has a Septon and a Godswood. Mm -hmm. Yes. And those things seem to be, you know, no, no one blinks an eye. Um, that it, it would be hard to believe that that kind of thing has an analog. I absolutely agree. And I think a huge piece of it is just that it doesn't, and I'm, I'm, I'm sort of racking my brain to think about this. It doesn't seem like religious affiliation or religious identity in Martin's world has really, really strong political elements the way it would have, again, in sort of in medieval Europe or in the Near East or the mm -hmm. Middle East, mm -hmm. where, you know, a huge piece of your religious identity is, are you eligible for military service? What sorts of taxes do you pay? What are your obligations to the state? Right. And we don't see any of that. And when you have those sort of practical or pragmatic outcomes of religious identity or religious affiliation, then it becomes a more totalizing sort of social, social identity. And because we lack that in at least certainly in Westeros, it does seem like they're much more comfortable, you know, with these different religious traditions living cheek by jowl mm -hmm. <laughs> without any kind of uh, like real tension or conflict or, or sort of persistent. I think it's also just, you know, it feels like, you know, this is a regional difference where the North is much more committed to the worship of the old gods. And because of that, 
um, you know, there's this sense of they're the sort of superstitious cousins up north to the cultured south, mm-hmm. whereas, you know, the faith of the seven for the north is a sort of um, external foreign imposition that you can safely sort of ignore. Um, right. So so I think, I don't know, I, I, it's it doesn't feel quite right. What I would say, though, is I think about maybe like in the early Ottoman Empire and some of its more cosmopolitan centers there again islam is the sort of politically privileged tradition but you have a fairly large minority of orthodox christians you're going to have jews you're going to have uh, you know people from around central asia and western asia as well as southeastern europe and so there you might get more of a sense of just the sort of polyphony of different mm. religious traditions so so that to me would probably be the closest I would come to. It's interesting. I think that both of these examples are Islamic as opposed to Christian dominant. Well, that's interesting societies. to me too. Because what I was going to say is, um, like, I, I probably would have punted on the medieval aspect, mm-hmm. but I was going to say, if you rewind a thousand years, you actually do find a fair bit of religious pluralism in the classical world. As, oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Pre- and so Greek, you know, Greek culture was, you know, it was sort of like, yeah, you worship your gods and we're going to do our thing. And Roman was sort of like, well, as long as you pay your taxes and, mm-hmm. you know, nod to the Roman imperial cults, you can worship however you want. And, you know, there are notable exceptions there, but that was very much a world of religious pluralism. That is a really good, that's a really good point. And so pre-Constantine sort of third century Roman Empire, you know, you have your mystery cults, you have those wacky Christians who are sort of having these, you know, cannibalistic rituals, if you're not an, (laughs) if you're not an initiate. And, you know, even within Christianity, you have so many different Christian groups, or it's sets of beliefs about the nature of Christ, or all, all of these sort of arcane theological issues. So yes, the and again, it's cosmopolitan. It's in these sort of urban areas where you have yeah. layers of civilization that have been building up on each other. That 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 I think is is probably a really good parallel as well. Um, whether it's in the Hellenistic age or then later, and that sort of the apogee, early apogee of the Roman Empire. Well, yeah, that's right. If you push the the Roman Empire north, and then we have this confluence of Roman religion including Christianity, and then we also have some kind of syncretism with the Celts. Yes. that That's what Winterfell feels like to me. There are, again, a lot of these sort of um, Northern European, more folkloric elements uh-huh. in this whole idea of the war or skin right. shifters. So, so I think there are nods to that sort of late antique, early medieval. Yeah, yeah. Um, here, it, whether it's in the question of religion or, you know, more specifically in some of the sort of folkloric elements that Martin sprinkles in that, you know, the children of the forest and this idea of the old gods of the forest, mm-hmm. you know, it smacks of sort of that Germanic paganism. And right. I use that term utterly without any sort of you know, pejorative connotation. Well, no, no. Yeah. Pagan is just, uh, you know, nature religion. Exactly. So I think it's no, I think I think it's there. But there aren't perfect parallels, certainly to the Middle Ages and this question of religious pluralism. I mean, you don't really get, you know, probably where I study in Central Europe, you know, the what are what's now the Czech Republic is the first 
bi-confessional Christian kingdom, and that doesn't take place until the end of the 15th century. Mm. So mm. it's, again, legally and politically speaking, the idea of multiple faiths coexisting besides small Jewish minorities in certain places, it's just it's not much of a thing from, say, mm. the 10th century until the 16th or 17th. 